The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Friday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me, as always, is the lovely, luscious Laura. Say hi, Laura. Hi. That was kind of a lame-ass hi. Hi. (laughs) Is that better? Too late. Too late. You already (laughs) fucked it up. God damn. Fine. (laughs) Holy shit. All right, so today's part one of a two-parter on this chick named Catherine Mary Knight. Let's just jump into it because this is a lot of information to get down. So Catherine Mary Knight does not have the distinction of being the first person to ever skin her lover and eat them. Yeah, no, you heard me right. Because she's a sick bitch. Does not. Does not. Wow. Yeah, I thought I'd let that sink in there just for a microsecond. Uh, she falls into a long line of killer cannibals. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's right. It's legal in every state but one. And God knows I've eaten enough women. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I had to go there. God damn it. For instance, in episode 75, we covered a guy by the name of Gary Heidnick. He was a 42-year-old man in Philadelphia. In 1986, he abducted women from uh, the mental institution and kept them captive as sex slaves in a hole that he dug in his basement. Damn. Oh, yeah. It was a good episode, man. Uh, He wound up torturing him, and then one died from the torture. He dismembered her, cooked her up, you know, cooked up her remains, and fed them to his dogs and his other captives. Oh, yucky. Mmm. Tastes tastes (laughs) like fish. (laughs) Tastes like chicken. <laughs> One of the women, any who's finally uh, got like earned his respect and his uh, and his trust uh, enough that she could make her escape and bring the authorities back to his house. When the police searched his cellar slash basement, they found uh, uh, what they found made it even like way worse than what anybody ever thought. Right? Uh. Like they were really grossed out. They're throwing up watching, you know, just seeing what had happened. Uh, to these ladies, you know, they, that he had stuck yeah. in the hole. Uh, there were four captives. They were chained to each other. And it was obvious that they had been tortured multiple times while being raped and beaten. Of course. Because if you're going to beat them, you got to rape them. I guess so. It's like the weird law of fucking sickness, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were in the hole that Heidnick had dug in the in a dirt floor of his basement, sitting there in their own excrement. Yeah. Yeah, that's gross. How do you rape with somebody that's all poopy? That's, that's Yeah. That's just, well, you know, to each their own. Some people like to be pooped on. So That's true. That's that is not true. That's not ideal, you no. fucking Germans. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Never again. I see anything out of Germany. I just don't watch that porn anymore. In a pot on the stove in the kitchen was the head of one of Heidnick's other victims. Uh, and human ribs were in the roasting dish in the oven. I like some ribs. But not human ribs. I don't know. I've never tasted them. Well, no. <laughs> I haven't, actually. So, All right. To the morgue we go. <laughs> it's assumed that was, uh, it was assumed that was going to be their dinner had the authorities not arrived when they did. Yeah. However, the act of cannibalism dates back way further than the 1980s. Oh, yeah. For instance, back in 1570, a man by the name of Peter Stump traveled around Germ- uh, G- the German countryside. Fucking Germans. Yep. <laughs> Just can't, I can't say German or Germany without fucking Germans. <laughs> With the aid of his mistress and, a, and daughter, 
He actively hunted young women in order to consume their flesh. Oh, boy. Mm, finger licking good yeah. before the colonel. Yeah. Reports indicate that Stump even ate his newborn baby, oh. which was the product of an incestuous relationship that he had with his daughter. What the fuck? Yeah. You don't eat your baby. No. I mean... And you don't fuck your daughter. Well, it's the 1500s, so I see you a lot re- well, of incest going on, so... That's true. Then I can go, okay, in today's, in today's day yeah. and age, like, I'm not going out and, you know, calling it's up my It's 1570, daughter. not 1970, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I have a little more... There's a little more leeway there. Right. I mean, it's still disgusting, but, you know, and because we compare things to the, the era of which we live in, like... Right. I'm not calling up my daughter and going, hey, Cass, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do some banging and have some babies. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, because that's gross. <laughs> and illegal. <laughs> it is? Yeah. Hold on, I gotta make a call. Hey, Ca- <laughs> Cassie, Cassie. No, yeah, it's me, Dad. No, no, we, we cancel. We, we gotta cancel our uh, our our little rendezvous for tonight. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, baby girl. No, apparently it's illegal. No, we, that's we, illegal. We can't, we can't do the humping. <laughs> Wrong. The fucked up thing is, I know my daughter listens to this podcast, so <laughs> she's gonna call me. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be like, "What the fuck what is wrong the with fuck? you?" <laughs> oh. Apparently, the two women he hunted uh, with urged. What the fuck? Apparently, the two women he hunted with urged him to murder approximately fifteen young women and children so that he could eat their hearts right out of their carcasses and cook up other body parts to consume. Probably because they didn't want to get eaten. Yeah, but they could have ran. Well, apparently, unless he runs really fast. Yeah. <laughs> but think about it, man. Are you really going to kill what's giving you some, some vajayjay? I mean, you're getting some... All right, sense. well, oh, I mean, a lot of serial killers do. No, okay, I'm going to give it that, too. But, yeah, willing, not really. But, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> the law wasn't very kind to the trio when they were finally apprehended, you think? Yeah. According to reports, the punishment for their crime was nearly as barbaric as the acts... The three of them committed themselves. It was said that Stump's body was secured to a cartwheel and his flesh was peeled from his bones with hot pincers. Then, while he was still alive, a wooden hatchet was taken to his limbs until they were broken and then he was beheaded. After he was dead, the township burned his corpse along with his mistress and his daughter. Which is what should have happened to Gertrude Banaszewski. I was just <laughs> And her the children. And the neighborhood children. <laughs> you see, I'll tell you what. We need to get these motherfuckers from the 1570s after him. After, after old Gertie and the neighborhood <laughs> kids. Then I would, it would have been a happy ending. But guys, there's a happier ending to Thursday's yes. little tale. Yeah. Because these motherfuckers here in Germany, fucking Germans, Went after <laughs> Gertrude. Got and some the real punishment. Kid. Yeah, then they got what was coming to them. Then I'd be like, "Yay! That 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 makes me happy." That's that's like, some good news. Yeah, that's happier than the end of a Disney movie. Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, "Yeah, best show ever." I'm sure, we could come up with a song for that. Oh, I could. <laughs> <laughs> Knight is Knight isn't even the first person in Australia to practice cannibalism either. Why does that not surprise me? Yeah, it's the outback. <laughs> yeah, in Florida. Florida and fucking Australia. That's the two places that don't, nothing, nothing surprises me. Yes, agreed. In 1822, Alexander Pierce managed to escape from Hell's Gate uh, Penal Colony in southern Tasmania with approximately seven fellow prisoners. 
They didn't take the freezing temperatures into consideration when they made their getaway. It freezes in fucking Australia. I didn't know that either. Yeah, me neither. Well, apparently in 1822, there was a snowbank. I fucking Tasmania, know. which is lower. It just sounds really cold. That's all. Yeah, I was going to say it's oh, okay. really close. That makes yeah. Sense. You just never it hear does, about yeah. snow or freezing, though. True. Okay, here we go. After a couple of days, three of them returned to the comforts of the prison. Like, what's <laughs> so bad here? I'm ready to go home now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back. Sorry for breaking out. This <laughs> is <laughs> our bad. Yeah. The other five systematically murdered one another to eat the remains of the dead to survive. It was survival of the fittest until only two remained, because there can only be one Highlander. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Pierce and a man named Robert Greenhill. The, the two men stalked each other until finally Pierce outmaneuvered Greenhill and murdered him with an axe. <laughs> kind of like Lizzie Borm, uh, uh, Borden. Borden, yes. But uh, they're in Australia, so it's, you know. And I'll try it. <laughs> Once Greenhill was dead, Pierce cooked up his prey and ate him. Mm, he was delicious. he's hungry. Better than the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> Better than a blooming onion. A, he had a blooming onion. <laughs> For his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Pierce was captured by the authorities and returned to the penal colony. Surprisingly... He was not sentenced to death for escape or cannibalism, which was common practice at the time. Yeah. Not the what? cannibalism, but like, you know, you, you... Killing them for that. Yeah. You, yeah. you escaped and you ate someone, so we're going to fucking kill you. But they're like, you know what? Yeah. You were probably really cold out there. It was pretty fucked up. You had to do what you had to do. <laughs> you, you, you had to eat them. And, you know, it wasn't... You didn't do any butt love, so fucking... Yeah, all right. You, you can come back and stay. <laughs> However, a couple of years later, Penn, uh, Pierce rather, managed to escape once again. That time, he, he persuaded Thomas Cox to join him. Once the two were, uh, were well into safe territory, Pierce murdered Cox and ate him. When the authorities caught up to him the second time in 1824, he was hanged for his transgressions. I'm like, okay, once, once we could understand, but again... Like you got a taste for it. That's right, man. Well, did, did he look like a Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> fucker? We don't eat people. <laughs> no. God damn. I have to edit something. Sorry. There we go. Anyway, then we had the Werewolf of Hanover, Fifth Fritz Marum, Marmon. Harmon? Harmon. That is Harmon. God damn. A.K.A. the werewolf <laughs> of Hanover took extreme pleasure in biting the throats of his victims while he was raping them. I, I kind of do that, too. I mean, I don't draw blood and I don't rape. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I like this. <laughs> what yeah. does this say about me? <laughs> Not <laughs> while I'm being raped, and I don't I don't actually want to, like, die from this, but that, this is a... This biting is, is a thing. Be, be in my room in 15 minutes. That's what <laughs> No, that's terrible. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Scott. You're awful sexual innuendos and things. Uh, You're a pig. <laughs> uh, then he would consume their flesh and drink their blood. He and another homosexual... Why is it always the gays? But we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, homosexual deviant named Hans Granz. I bet you he's a fucking German, too. 
Well, it, yeah. it sounds like yeah, it's very it, German. yes. Oh, because it says in Germany. Uh, <laughs> abducted, raped, and murdered approximately 50 homeless young men from 1919 to 1924 in fucking Germany. Fucking Germans. Mm, yep. Prior to World War One, Harmon was a successful dealer of secondhand clothing. After the war, he continued to make, uh, to, to make it a lucrative profession, especially when he included meat. On his list of items to sell. I bet. He set, he set himself up for success after Germany's uh, crushing defeat in the war. He was able to give starving Germans exactly what they needed the most. Fresh meat. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> Does this taste like a Hans to you? Yeah. Yeah, it tastes like a Hans. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Dieter? That tastes like theater too, yeah. <laughs> Gretel. <laughs> That's right, Billy Holiday sauce. Harmon obtained his uh, customers from the black market and boasted the freshest cuts of veal and lamb shanks. Even if they questioned where their choi- choice meats were coming from, I'm sure that they weren't going to look a gift horse in the mouth, especially in such tough times. You'd be like, this is the hugest uh, lamb shank I've ever seen. I think this this lamb had to weigh fucking 250 yeah. on the hoof. But <laughs> whatever, like, I'm hungry. So <laughs> damn Cujo the lamb going on here. <laughs> However, I'm sure that even in their wildest imaginations, they never would have guessed that the meat that they were enjoying at dinner was coming from the two young men a week that Harmon and Granz were victimizing. The young boys that were, that were being abducted, raped, and murdered before they were cut up and sold on the black market. In 1924, Harmon was beheaded for his actions. And Hans just probably went away. I'm like, what happened to him? Yeah. Yeah, a very German name, man. But your name is Hans Hans So Therefore, you you, you can go. (laughs) And go make Scheiser videos and, you know, with the poops. (laughs) Because we're Germans. Yeah. So in recent history, has seen its share of horrors as well. In 1955 to 1976, a man by the name of... Joaquin Kroll. I did him, actually. You said that name so well. I'm so proud of you. I I was the one who actually (laughs) featured him. Said about murdering, mutilating, and having sex with uh, the corpses of at least 14 young women and children all throughout Germany. Fucking Germans. Of course. God damn. I think that's going to be my tagline from now now on. (laughs) And we have a market in Germany, so Germans are like, we're not all like that. Uh, well, Hashtag not every German. Okay, fine. Hashtag not every German, but fucking Germans. <laughs> Once he had his fill of them sexually, he would get his fill by eating them. The younger Kroll's victims were the better. Oh, the younger Kroll's victims were the better. So, yeah, whatever. Hmm. I just I think that's misspelled, but okay. When he was finally captured, he told the authorities that he performed the he preferred the meat of young children because it simply fell off the bone. <laughs> it's all that baby fat. Mm-hmm. Come here, little Billy. <laughs> I have some sauce for you. Yeah. 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 In fact, his opinion was that the meat he got from his victims was better than any meat available in the butcher shops of West Germany. Mm-hmm. If you say so. And it's at a great price. I yeah. Mean, free is always a good price. Yeah. And you get to fuck them first. 
I don't mean fucking the kids is great, but no, <laughs> just that that came out totally wrong. That made me sound like uh, totally bad. No, I, I'm not encouraging. Like you know what? We're just gonna pass that. I, strike that. Reverse yeah, strike it. That one. As a search of Coral's apartment yielded a refrigerator full of human flesh. In the living room, there were just bags filled of rotting human meat that he had stripped from the bone uh, of his victims, bones of his victims, with a common butcher's knife. So at least he was good at his job. Yeah. On the stove was a pot simmering with vegetables and a human hand floating in the broth. <laughs> it's just seasoning the broth. Somebody want to give me a hand with this soap? That was corny and bad, but okay. The court declared Kroll mentally insane and put him in an asylum, and he never saw freedom again. I hope not. If ever a person deserved that diagnosis, it was him. You can hear about this episode and this case at, on episode 79 here at Brutal Nation, by the way. Go to episode 79. Check that shit out. So let's not forget the subject of our April Fool's Day special, Mr. Uh, Andre Chiquillo. Yeah. Chiquitillo. Yeah. I researched that one for for Tammy. Right, right. The 56-year-old Russian who, in a span of 24 years, tortured, murdered, and cannibalized approximately 53 victims, the majority of which were children. He was a... He was always luring them away with candy. Candy's always, yeah. And so you stop the high schools and you have to offer them fucking free Wi-Fi service <laughs> and an iPad. Then they jump right <laughs> in the truck. It's great. It's, hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, I would never pick up on high school chicks. Mm-hmm. He was a necrophiliac who couldn't perform yes, sexually unless his victim, his victims were first deceased. So Chikatilo claimed that he was a witness to his younger brother being cannibalized by hungry villagers during a famine uh, of his childhood. Yep. He said that uh, he said that was what made him realize he had a taste for human flesh. However, we all know that he was also a prolific liar. Yeah, he was. I'm pretty sure just witnessing cannibalism didn't get him, you know, give give, give, give him the lust for that. You're like, mm, hmm. <laughs> That's a good idea. My 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 brother fucking, you know, looks like he was tasty. <laughs> well, and what happened too was that like his mom told him that story. Oh shit. Like okay. that was bet, the thing like he didn't he probably said that he witnessed it. But his, it was his mother telling him that story. That's fucking brutal. Man. Yeah. His mother was horrible to him, as happens a lot with serial killers. Yeah, okay, I can see that. And I can see the being traumatized by his mom and shit like that. But it's not going to make you a fucking cannibal. That's no. A, that's a life choice right there. Yeah. There's a pecking order in this. There's either your mother is horrible to you or your mother is the only person in your life ever. Oh, yeah. No, totally. It's the extremes. So I'd venture to say that he was one of the villagers feasting on the flesh of his brother, if the story is even true. Chikatilo's victims were among those who frequented bus and train stations. Once he selected a target, he would find a way to lure them into the woods. 
I can be lured into the woods with guitar strings <laughs> and right now gas for my truck. I mean, it's gas fucking, totally. It's, hey, I got twenty. I got twenty gallons of gas for you. If you come to, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm on it. You know, is that Chevron gas? Oh no, I'm coming with you. What's the worst that can happen? Usually, with the promise of money or food. Yeah, see, no gasoline. He wouldn't get me. Nope. After he was alone with them, he would murder his prey. Upon their death, he would mutilate their corpse, often disemboweling them as he had. His way with them sexually. Gross. <laughs> well, you know, blood, lubrication, all kind of works. I, it does, yes. But, like, I don't, don't yeah, want to really, that's like, fuck somebody's intestines, you know? I don't know. That's just, that's not my thing, so. No, I, I don't think I would directly fuck their <laughs> intestines. Through their stomach. Through by their cutting stomach. their stomach open. No, that, that's what I was talking about. Because that's what I mean. Anal's kind of that <laughs> Is, way. Yeah. But. Uh, that's I'm not like disemboweling anybody. No. Keep in mind, on the surface, Chikatilo was just an average-looking, everyday type of a person. In fact, he was a school teacher, so he managed to blend in with any crowd in his unassuming way. Yep. He was even questioned by the authorities on several occasions, nine to be exact. It was one of those cases where they were like, oh, let's just haul in everybody. And question. Oh, oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm Repeatedly the, different, yeah. I'm starting to remember the episode now. Yeah, it's... <laughs> like, you're a dude at a train station. Maybe you did it. <laughs> Just like the uh, Derliski maniac. Yeah. Calling everybody in town. Everybody. Two of those times, he was near the scene of the murders, and he had just committed. That he just committed... And they let him go every time. They're like, yeah, you can't be him. Go along, you you average-looking little scamp, you. <laughs> Ordinary average guy. Exactly. He's chewing on an arm, but it can't be him. He's a teacher. <laughs> when Chikatilo was finally captured and tried in 1994, he received a death penalty and died with a single bullet to the back of his head. Yeah, they weren't messing around. Which I appreciate. We need to do that here. Agreed. His trial was the equivalent of a three-ring circus, and, a, and spectators in the gallery fainted at the horror of his crimes, especially when he went into graphic detail about how he would saw off the testicles and nipples of his victims before boiling and eating them. Tasty. I never had boiled testicles. Hmm. Mm, tastes like Fred. Okay. No, we're good. <laughs> we... <laughs> he was even the inspiration for the main character in the movie in the movie Citizen X, which I've never seen. I watched it. Oh, when I was researching, is it a horror movie or what? Is um, it? it's kind of um, and it's a lot from the police's from their perspective. Oh, like a crime thriller, right? Thing. And Stephen Rhea plays the main, like it's the KGB, you know. But it's it, it, I I actually thought it was really good. I'm going to have to watch that one when I'm done binge-watching Stranger Things Season yes. 4. That's the one I was watching. You remember that? And then it was the, the one guy with... Okay. So yeah, earning her rightful place in Among the Depraved Humanity. So we don't have too much dead air. Yeah, no. Do, yeah. Let's just say Catherine Mary Knight has earned her place among the most depraved humanity that society has it has to offer in the world. Night's story takes place in Aberdeen, Australia, 
approximately 266 kilometers northwest of Sydney along the New England Highway. Prior to March 1st of 2000, this quiet little town was only known as the birthplace of the Australian Blue Heeler cattle dog. Good dogs. Ooh, those are good dogs. An animal that has become synonymous with the outback as, as, as koala bears, boxing kangaroos, and the flightless emu. I love emus. They're so funny. They are so funny. They're mean as fuck. <laughs> so, well, so are kangaroos, dude. Yes. I'm watching a video. I can't remember who showed it to me. But a friend of mine goes, dude, you like kangaroos. Watch this shit. And it shows this kangaroo. He's like, he's like chilling right there in the water, right? Yeah. And I can't remember what swam by him. It was like, I don't know, a fucking uh, like, like a big rodent or something. And he right. switches out. Bam, it drowns him. Just try, no reason. Like the, this thing wasn't fucking with him. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, screw you, kangaroo, you bitch. Nothing. He's just, I'm going for a nice little swim. Hey, kangaroo, how's it going? The kangaroo's like, fuck you, die. <laughs> just drown. Just yeah. No fucking reason. Kangaroos now scare me. <laughs> they are scary. <laughs> Except for when they're little, then they're really cute. Even when they're little, they're cute because they can't fucking drown you. Yeah. And they always look like they've been at Gold's Gym pumping iron fucking like seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. Like they're ready to kick someone's ass today. Yes. It's been said that she is arguably the most depraved monster in the history of Australia's criminal uh, element. In fact, Knight's single level three story abode located at 84 Andrews Street has become a tourist attraction. People flocked from the four corners of the world just to get a glimpse of the place where she committed her unspeakable acts. They looked at all four walls at, at the place where she kept and murdered. The whole time, they tried to wrap their minds around how a mother and grandmother could be capable of such evil. Yeah. Let's go now to let's go now and find out exactly what this woman did to earn her place among our episodes and the most depraved criminal society. <laughs> this first one's entitled A Childhood of Slaughterhouses. Ew. That's right. This goes out to you, all the single ladies in the <laughs> audience. <laughs> this song here is called The Childhood of Slaughterhouses. <laughs> here she was dying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a horrible piano bar. You know? <laughs> I should be ashamed of myself. Jesus Christ. Gather oh. <laughs> Mary Knight was born October 24th of 1955 at Tenterfield Hospital in New South Wales, Australia. She was 30 minutes younger than her twin sister, Joy. Her mother, Barbara, was already the proud mother of four boys from a previous marriage. Patrick, Martin, Neville, and Barry. Those all sound like piano bar singer names. Names, yes, they do. Like I said, hi, my name is Neville, and my name's Barry, and we're here to do some <laughs> piano music for you. <laughs> this one goes out to the ladies. <laughs> and one son, Charlie, with Knight's father. In 1961, she would give birth to another son, Shane, giving her eight children in all. Stop having that stop. many fucking kids. Jesus you, perfe- you You surpassed seven, which is the number at which you go crazy. Yeah. We've, we've already figured this out. Now I know what's wrong with our, uh, with our little Katie Poo here. <laughs> <laughs> 
After Barbara's divorce from her first husband, her two oldest sons, Patrick and Martin, chose to live with their father, Jack uh, Ronan. Ruffin? Ruffin, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with Ruffin. Jack Ruffin. That's a, just a, that's a villain name. That's what the hell that is. <laughs> that's a very Outback name. Like, yes. I'm Jack Ruffin, and I'm going to teach you how to yes. take care of the ruse. Yeah. The two youngest boys, Neville and Barry, chose to live uh, with their aunt in Sydney. After Jack passed away in 1959, the Knight's two oldest brothers moved in with them. Ken Knight, Catherine's father, was a traveling... Is that abattoir? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Reading that right? You abattoir did. or Stoddermann. He traveled all over Queensland and New South, New South Wales, working in 12-hour shifts, butchering livestock in... Wallangara. Thank you, because I'm looking Gunada. at that. <laughs> thank you, and thank you. Marie Ten, uh, Tenerfield, Tenerfield. And anywhere he could find work. <laughs> you know, we were doing so good with this episode. <laughs> so good. I'm, you know, I, I was going, huh, you know what? My research is awesome. She gave me one that I can pronounce everything. This is okay. Names are looking good. They're legit. And what and happens? Then? She throws this bullshit in here. I swear to God, she's trying to drive me nuts. Just, she's doing a good job. <laughs> no shit. I was already halfway there, living on a prayer. In 1969, dude. dude, the family finally settled down in Aberdeen. That's when Ken was finally able to get a job working for a local slaughterhouse. Every report that I uh, could find about Catherine's childhood indicates that she was kind of a loving girl. But yeah, loving to eat people. Mm-hmm. She, she wasn't particularly mean to animals, and she followed the rules for, for the most part. So, good kid, right? Yeah. Except for the time when she was 13 years old, and she received a minor charge that required her to appear in children's court. Children's court? That sounds like a show. It really does. Like, little Billy's going to get up there and start talking. Sorry, Catherine. You're here for um, breaking the rules. And that's not good. <laughs> and now I'm going to take your red cap. Can't you get no red cap? Can't you whip it up? Due to the fact that she was otherwise law-abiding, they released her on her good behavior. What's called a good behavior bond. They put kids in jail there. <laughs> wow. Ah, why not? Yeah. Arrest little bastards. I yeah. don't care. Oh, my goodness. Give me one moment. I got to see something here. Oh, it's my drummer calling me, but he can get ah. my ass. <clears throat> Considering the fact that Catherine was uh, practically raised in the slaughterhouse, it didn't come as much of a surprise as she grew up wanting to make her living you know, in the industry. Okay. Well, yeah. Now I need a drink. <laughs> you realize everything that's happening to you is rubbing off on me? Which I find is very peculiar. Well, I wouldn't say I'm sorry, but... <laughs> but you're not. My ankles feel swollen. I like to inflict it. <laughs> my ankles feel swollen and I don't feel loved. Yes. <clears throat> Every town she lived in, though, uh, through the years, had a butcher shop of some sort. Some, uh, some have said that the thick smell of animal remains in the afternoon air was as sweet-smelling to her as a French perfume to other women. 
you know, okay, it sounds gross, but I can I can see where she's coming I, from. And it's it's what she's used to. Like it's what she. It's not a thing for her. It's not gross. She right. grew up with it. It's a childhood memory right. thing. It's very nostalgic. It supported um, their family. Right. It's 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 an honest profession. So while it might sound gross to us, I I, I can totally understand. Yeah. You know, just like because we we've all got weird things. Like I'm going to share with you guys one of my biggest turn-ons. Seeing a woman wash dishes with her bare hands in in soap, like with the soap. Okay. In the thing. I know it's weird. There's no, no catalyst no. behind it. Like I don't have like an Oedipus complex or anything right. like that. It came about in my fucking twenties where. You know, I saw like a chick I was with, or maybe it was my late teens. The chick I was doing with doing that, and all of a sudden, that just became like a total fetish for me. And I don't know why. Nothing I, wrong I, with that. I'm just a weird motherfucker. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, that's not weird at all. <laughs> well, that's true. Nobody's <laughs> pooping on me or anything. So there's I'm all a, kinds of things you could be into. That's true. I'm not a German. So, <laughs> <laughs> by the time she was 16 years old, Catherine, Joy, Charlie, and Charlie. Help their father bone animal carcasses at the slaughterhouse. Being that is a male-dominated in- industry, she quickly became known as one of the toughest around. You know, because you know, she had doing to this prove herself. Guys. Yeah, while other girls are going like, yeah, "Hey, I want a Bobby." She's yeah. sitting there going, "I need a new sharper knife because I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna fucking carve some shit up." Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, so far, I totally respect this chick. Like, I agree. I, I, I like her a lot. So far. But we, so far. We all know if she's on <laughs> our gonna show. It's going to be bad, but so far, it's okay. Catherine, you're going to break my heart, baby. <laughs> just saying. Just letting you know ahead of time, sweetheart. Breaking my fucking heart. When it came to the banter tossed around the, the boning floor. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Why does this happen to me with my sense of humor? She knows my sense of humor. Why? Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, no. It gets worse, guys. She could give as well as she uh, got <laughs> with language that was not befitting a young girl by any means. It's fucking A. Why? Why does she do this shit to me for fuck's sake? <laughs> Because there's the boning floor that Catherine's working on, and then there's the boning floor that's in my head. <laughs> oh, this fucking girl's gonna kill me. <coughs> <coughs> Catherine never backed down from an altercation, often found herself challenging anyone and anyone and everyone, sorry, who offended her. With a knife in hand, she could go toe-to-toe with the best of them. Oh, yeah. And it got to the point where no one would dare take her on in a battle of knives or words. No, I wouldn't either. You know what? I, I respect that. I, I'm liking her more and more, and let me tell you why. She's in a male-dominated industry. She knows what she wants to do. She's got her eye on the prize. So what happens when you're in a male-dominated industry as a girl? Well, you get picked on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you start getting kind of offended, then they're like, ha, 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 look at we you. We got you. We got you. Yeah. And she's like pulling out her carving knife going, not today, bitch. Yeah. I will shank you and bone you like I did this cow. Don't think I won't. Yes, yeah, so I'll do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> and then it's going to be nothing but a thing. Mm-hmm. The young girl took good care of her tools <laughs> on the boning floor. Yeah. <laughs> took care, good care of the tools that she needed. Uh, for her trade, and she kept her boning knives in pristine condition, which is understandable. 
And when it's your living, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it goes back to anything you do for your living. Like my guitars, and I'm looking at one of them that needs a little bit of maintenance right now. <laughs> but by and large are kept, like the ones that I use constantly for shows or practice, I keep them in tip-top condition. Right. You know, um, because that's part of my livelihood. Um, taking the time to sharpen them after each use and storing them uh, on a shelf above her bed so that she knew where they were at all times. Why are you giggling, you tech boy? About keeping tools in pristine condition. Gotcha. <laughs> <sighs> I still got the boning floor on my head. This is going to be one of those episodes. I knew that she would fuck with me one way or another. It yeah. had to happen. Some say that Catherine placed them there so that she could get them uh, as she was drifting off to dreamland. Just in case. Just in case. They even went as far as to say she dreamt of the animals that she'd be carving on the next day. Dreaming of work. God dang. Well, when it's what you do, it's it's like... It's her passion, and she's got good work ethic. Yes. I know that she's fucked up, and obviously she ate somebody and skinned them. But you know what? This chick has the work ethic that I wish that more people today had. Had, yeah. It It was just one... Everything was good until that one thing that wasn't. She has this amazing, amazing fucking work ethic. And I I respect that a lot. I mean, I would say her work ethic, just from what I'm reading, rivals my own. Yeah. Because, you know, I well, nobody should work like I do because I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> let's just be honest. I would like to say, see how great it is? No, it's fucking stupid as shit. Yes. Oh, yeah. I do. But unfortunately, I still put in a shit ton of hours. Anyway, looking back... It's possibly safe to say that it was at this period in her life that she had the most influence in, sh- in shaping the woman or monster that Catherine Knight would become. So, falling in love and the crazy is revealed. And this, guys, I fucking relate to this because I swear to God, chicks can hold their crazy only so long. All right, I'm going to say people because there's guys that are nuts too. Yes. But so many chicks I've been with have held on to that crazy until you start really getting with them and things are happening. And well, it's because they think through. they've got you and they don't have to keep up that mask anymore. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden it falls. It's like, whoa, look, here's Sybil. Here's yeah. the real me. Yeah. <laughs> I wear my crazy up front. This is true. And I respect that. You, you know what you're getting into because like you knew crazy. it to begin with. <laughs> In 1973, 17-year-old Catherine fell in love with 22-year-old truck driver named David Kellett. She couldn't wait until he turned 18 so that they could move in, uh, that she, so she could move in with him. So that she when she turned, turned 18, 18, yes. But it said, does it say he or she? She. It said, it said she. I can't fucking read. It's you. It's me. <laughs> it's totally me. It's not you. It's me. The following year, the two were married. Later, a rumor went around town that on their wedding night, when he wouldn't have sex with her uh, repeatedly, she tried to strangle him to death. That is not how you. That's not how you get, get a what heart you on want. Going. Yeah, <laughs> like, you don't get what you want repeatedly by trying to kill your new husband. Like seriously, man, if I got a chick on top of me going, "Why won't you bone me again?" I'm on the boning floor, and they're trying to strangle me. 
that is no way to elicit a hard on. Like no. I could take a fucking bottle of Viagra and my dick would be like, no, nope. bitch is scary as no. fuck. <laughs> is it too late to annul this? Yeah, John has a different reaction because he's a weirdo, but that's okay. Teach their own. He's not a German, so that's good. <laughs> but we all know how small town gossip, the small town gossip mill runs, and that's true, man. Because you know, small towns. Everybody knows everything about everyone. And it's, it's a telephone game. So mm-hmm. one person says, hey, I heard that Catherine's husband wouldn't put out more than twice a day. Hey, I heard that she got mad because he wouldn't put out again. And hey, I bet she got so mad that she tried to stab him. And it just goes on and on to she was strangling him. And he's like, no. And then he died. And so does that mean I should strangle you then? <laughs> Sorry, I just came around to that. If you have a different reaction to that. Sorry. If I wanted again, I should just hop on top of you and try and strangle you? No. Who, me, <laughs> who, me, or, me or John? John. I can't see you, and I don't know if you're talking to me or you're I talking to John. No. I'm on number one, you've never been on top of me. But hey, we can explore. We can, we, we, we can, we can entertain that That is thought. a no. That's a no. That's a shaking the head of no. No choking, John? Don't do that. Just choke me. Not him. No. Go ahead. No, this, Go ahead with your story. Just took a <laughs> for the weird. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It may, it may not be true. However, it doesn't really matter. Uh, there we go. It just has needs a comma. That's why. It really doesn't matter. It's all about what everyone believes. Mm-hmm. Not long after they were married, David went to work at the slaughterhouse with Catherine, and it was put and he was put in charge of dispatching the swine. So killing the pigs. Yes. She would often stop by a section uh, at work and and watch in fascination as he used a stun gun on the pigs before they were butchered. If you guys didn't know how animals are killed. Yep. Now you're gonna you're gonna get a fucking lesson. Their daughter Melissa Ann was born uh, in May of 1976. A short time after that, David grew weary of her constant watchful eye and her unpredictable, unpredictable moodiness. Oh my God, it's Laura! Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Laura. <laughs> It wasn't too much longer, and she was running off uh, with another. He was running off with another woman. He's like, I think I would have done that after the first time she tried to kill me. But yeah, you I know. mean, if she legit tried to kill, well, I'd that's be like, okay. That's Adios, true. bitch yeah. nachos. Yeah. I'm fucking out of here. Catherine became so depressed that she wanted to seek revenge on her husband, but he wasn't around for her to take her, uh, her frustrations out on. Therefore, she uh. focused. On the only person closest to her at the time. That's right. Melissa Her Ann. poor kid. One day within days of David leaving, she took Melissa Ann down to the train depot and left her in the middle of the tracks. What the fuck? She wanted the two-month-old child to get hit by the next train that was coming down the line. Thank goodness a man was in the area and heard the baby crying in time to rescue her. Oh, my God, lady. Good fucking job. God damn, man. That same afternoon, Catherine came upon an 
axe in the neighbor's backyard. So she grabbed it and started to swing it around like a crazed woman. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm crazy, mate. I'm going to hit you with, a, with, with an axe. She threatened to kill everyone around her, including an old man. So people called the authorities. They go, hey, cops, you got to come over here. This bitch is crazy. She's lost it. She snapped. Like, like there's crazy Laura, and then there's crazy this chick with a fucking axe. <laughs> oh, shears and a straight razor are my weapons of choice. Those you are my trade would, my trade tools. Y'all scare the fuck out of me. That's why right <laughs> now I'm kind of glad I've got my fucking little barrier, my safety safe over here. <laughs> they arrived and took her to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth. The doctors there diagnosed her. I gotta fucking fix that real fast. Sorry, guys, because it's, it's her. <laughs> Apparently, my cat lock is on. <laughs> that better? <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> With postpartum depression, and then they release her. Like, hey, you just got some postpartum depression. I, I think she sounds like bipolar one, in my opinion. But. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree with that. A couple of days after that, Catherine took a butcher's knife and sliced the face off a woman Ooh. that she knew. Like, damn, talk about tea time, right? God damn. Apparently, she demanded that the woman take her over to see David in her car. Like, you can just have the car here. Yeah, take the car, motherfucker. When the woman refused, Catherine reacted poorly. To say the least. <laughs> that goes without saying right yeah. there. Like, who really says, hey, th- she cut off this chick's face, but yeah, it was a good choice. It, that, that wasn't a poor choice at all. That, that, we it was okay. That. It was okay. Yeah. It's just a face. It'll grow back. <laughs> Walk it off. <laughs> You've got another good side. <laughs> the woman was still driving uh, when the attack happened and was only able to escape after pu- uh, pulling into a gas station as blood poured down her face. Oh, my God. I bet you she got lots of attention then. When law enforcement officials responded to the uh, frantic call from the service station owner, Catherine hadn't made the situation any better. Well, she doesn't usually, seems like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had a little boy held in front of her, and she was waving a knife in the air like, I'll cut him. I'll cut the motherfucker. Jesus, lady. The responding officers were able to get the boy away from Catherine safely after they grabbed a couple of brooms that they were laying <laughs> that they were laying nearby and attacked her with them. Like, I'm going to beat you with a fucking broom. We're done Whatever with your Whatever I can bullshit. get my hands on here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's got a knife, man. You got to have something. Like, Keep the <laughs> arm's this, reach. This is in the 70s, so I wonder if they saw, like, fucking Star Wars and they were like, <laughs> I got to Luke Skywalker this bitch because yes. this kid's going to die. <laughs> You have to send him away with Obi Wan. <laughs> he had to drop the boy and the knife to fend them. Uh, she had to drop the the boy and the knife to fend him off. And they took that opportunity to never get him, Mike. And they did. They're like tackling her and throw her like, in a bag. Yeah, put her in the bag. And she's like, "You'll never take me alive." No, we don't plan to. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, as long as you're not trying to hurt the kid or anybody else, because you're a fucking you're a nut. Yeah. They took her to a Morset Psychiatric Hospital to be treated, and she was placed on psych hold so that she could not be a threat. So that she could, yeah, yeah, could. I knew that was missing. So that she could not be treated? Oh, I thought that was, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
I thought that said Brett. <laughs> I think they want to treat her. <laughs> you, my, my eyesight's getting worse and worse. <laughs> Melissa Ann was placed in custody of Barbara and Ken Knight. That's her, that's her, her folks. parents, yeah. So David had gotten a job as a truck driver working in Queensland by that point. The police called him and told him that his estranged wife was being heavily sedated on the psychiatric ward of the most notorious mental health facility in all of New South Wales because she's a fucking nut. I'd be like, keep her. Keep her there, please. Don't let her out. Look, mate, don't don't let her out. You got to keep her there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Give her a Foster's and a shrimp on the barbie. No alcohol with psychiatric drugs like that. Oh, come on. I think she'd be fun. We got her drunk oh my in a God. room and just watch it all unfold. It'd be great. <laughs> that I bet you that if we could get her drunk, that would be 20 episodes right there. It'd probably. I mean, we'd be running for our lives and probably going to die. But You're on lithium, but here, have some alcohol. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> David went to his mother, Jean, and the two of them drove approximately 1,300 kilometers in nearly 13 hours to be by her side. When Catherine saw him enter the room, she lit up with delight. Well, she finally got what she wanted, which was to see her husband. And I dig. I mean, I think that she really loves him. I think that she's a fucking nut. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think that she truly does love David. Right. And that could be, you know, it's hard to kind of... She's got a fucked up way of showing it sometimes. Well, true, true, true. I, I don't think in the 70s they had really good couples counseling. Unless it was religious. That's right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. The hospital released Catherine on August 9th of 1976. The conditions of her release was that she was to move in with her mother-in-law, who, who was to make sure... She took her medication as prescribed. I'd be like, I don't, that, no. I, d- I don't want this person in my house. I'd be like, slingshot that shit down her throat. Yeah. On their way home, David and Catherine picked up Melissa Ann from Barbara and Ken's, and they all lived together in one in a little robo. happy family. Aww. Okay. This <laughs> is a story about a fucked up family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They rented a nice bungalow in uh, Woodridge area of Queensland. David continued to drive truck for a living, and Catherine got a job working in the boning room at Dinmore Meat Work in Ipswich. Yes, Ipswich. Ipswich, that's it. And I didn't even laugh when I said boning room. <laughs> <coughs> From the floor to the room. <laughs> So the reunion, though, was anything but happy for the family. Catherine continued to have violent fits of rage over insignificant issues. I've been with chicks like that. God damn. Yeah. She often abused her husband using her fists, appliances, or anything else that happened to be laying around at the time. This poor guy. I know, man. I feel fucking... I feel him. I really do. I I feel his pain. Despite their... uh, tumultuous living situation on March 6th of 1980 Natasha Marie was born. Oh, oh good. You, you want to know what makes a domestic violence relationship even better? Have another baby. Have another baby. That fixes everything. And, as always, the domestic violence escalates. Of course. Of course it did. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
David came home from work one evening in 1984, and the house was completely empty. So he's looking around. He's like, where the, what the fuck? fuck is my shit, man? Yeah. And my kids. I don't care about my psycho ex-wife. But, <laughs> but I would like to know where my kids are. I know where the kids are. Even though I'm sure he had been praying for the day he no longer had <laughs> to go home uh, to that hot mess. Yeah. I'm sure it would have been somewhat confusing to I him. I would say so. After all, everything that could be packed up and moved, was at, it was. It was gone. Catherine decided to take their two daughters and move back in with her mom and dad on their farm near Aberdeen. She went back to work at the slaughterhouse in Aberdeen and using her main name again. However, living under her parents' roof again was short-lived. Of course it was. She and the girls moved out and found a, a place to rent in Musselbrook. Mm-hmm. Okay. Within a year, she suffered a, and, and back, oh, a, a back injury. Yes. God damn it. A back injury at work, and uh, that put her out of work altogether. Oh, which is not going to be good since that's the thing that... That she loves the most. Right. I think that she was boning too hard. I think you're right. <laughs> she went to the boning floor again. She's boning too, too hard. Too much, too yeah. hard. That's right, man. You got to ease that into the boning. You can't just like go hardcore right off the bat. Ease into that, you know? But no, she fucked up her back. She threw her own back out. She threw her own back out, yep. Now that Catherine was on disability, the Housing Commission of Australia found her a place to live in Aberdeen that was more centralized. It was closer to the girls' school so that they didn't have to, to be commuted every day. Bringing in a steady income with a place to live meant there was only one more thing the 30-year-old woman needed to be uh, needed to round out her existence. A man. A man, yes. I need me a sexy man. <laughs> but one that can handle all this crazy. All this crazy, yeah. After Catherine and David split up, she tried dating other men several times. For some reason, she wasn't successful in Rome in the romance department. Yeah, go figure that, yeah. right? Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> because I am pretty sure even other crazies can look at her and go, "No, nah, nah. mm, I can uh, see you're crazy a mile away." It's like you ooze crazy and that's enough. I don't even want any of that. And then she made a man, met a man by the name of Dave Saunders, the so two Davids. <laughs> in 1986 at a local hotel. Huh. There you go. Go to the hotel. Go, hey, baby. Mm-hmm. You want an instant-made family? <laughs> he was a 38-year-old minor. Like, not a minor like a child, but like minor in a mine. Yes. Uh, you know, a minor. Not a minor. Not a minor. <laughs> yes. A 38-year-old <laughs> minor. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah I would have to agree. Yeah. Eddie Hughes, living in Scone, a nearby town. All things considered, most people felt that Dave was a good man. He just had a tendency to tie one on a little too often. Mm. Therefore, in his spare time, he could be found at the local hotel, bellied up to the bar, and, I'm quoting here, don't make me regret <laughs> this, getting a skin full. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, this isn't going to fucking hate me. <laughs> Just freaking oh. using that. Be a thorn to the wolves. 
This simply means consuming enough alcohol to become rather inebriated. Sure it does. <laughs> That's what it means. Okay. <laughs> My researcher hates me. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, all of Catherine's, shall we say, flaws were hidden from the public somewhat. Because crazy people hide the crazy, man. Yeah. Especially her tendency to be rather violent and abusive to her parent partners. Because that's always behind closed doors, usually. So. Oh, yes. That's why I'll never date a woman with a black eye. I mean, she didn't listen once. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> now I know, right? No, that, that's oh, my God. He's talking about popping women in the eye. What a dick. Fucking Scott. What an asshole. He should be ashamed of himself. You need classes, Scott. You need classes on how to be respectful, you pig. Jesus Christ. I can't even listen to him. I'm All I have to do is, like, flick. And that... <laughs> your, your poor... The yeah. majority of the mothers <laughs> found her rather charming, to say the least. They found, The majority found her. Yeah, that was... Added that, the fact that she seemed to be rather insatiable in the bedroom. And Dave couldn't help but fall in love with her. Aww. Drunk in love. Mm-hmm. As is the case with all abusive relationships, in the beginning, things between Dave and Catherine were great. Of course. That honeymoon phase seemed to end after a couple of months. Dave chose to keep his apartment in Scone despite the fact that he had moved in with her and her kids, which is, I think, a smart move. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still kind of getting to know each other. It's a couple of months. Yeah, you're kind of living there, but you need that little safety safe. You, yeah. Because <laughs> she keeps fucking boning knives above her fucking bed. Mm-hmm. After that, she became jealous of everything he did and started, started accusing him of sleeping around. From that moment forward, they were constantly bickering back and forth. Of course. It seemed like she was kicking him out every other damn day. Then, as soon as he moved back into his apartment, she would make her way over there, tell him she was sorry, beg for him to come back. You know how that goes. Mm, yeah. You know, wash, rinse, repeat. Within a matter of weeks, an arg- the arguments became violent. Catherine, who was somewhat taller than Dave, took to attacking him with her fists and feet flying. Now, that's the same thing she did with her ex-husband, too. Was, she's, you know, attacking him with her fists. Like, this isn't yeah. like, stop, like, psh, she's coming at him. She's you punching know, like, him. She's kicking him. Yeah, it's like Muhammad Ali, you know. She, I float like a boner, but I sting like a bee. <laughs> boner meaning what she was doing to the animals, not a boner in her pants. Yeah. But it just came out that way. <laughs> It was funnier that way. It came out long and fast. Um, <laughs> Catherine grabbed his two-month-old puppy, slit its throat with one of her sharp boning knives. Oh, you horrible bitch. See, uh, now I don't like her. Nope. You, you don't fuck with the puppies, man. Then, once the puppy was dead, she grabbed the nearest frying pan and beat Dave until he was unconscious. How has she not ended up in jail at how all? Like, like how do you shot? leave a baby on the train tracks and not go to jail for that? Like, going all the way back to that. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I totally get that. But I'll tell you, man, if somebody even came at my dog with a fucking knife, and my dog's kind of a twat, uh, they're going to be dead. Yes. And my dog's not a puppy. She's old as fuck. 
However, despite the violence and Catherine's increasingly questionable behavior, Mm. which went on to include a suicide attempt, Dave continued to remain in the relationship. Dave, you're an idiot. Dave is codependent. Very. Don't be like Dave. Yeah, no shit. Then in June of 1988, the couple welcomed a third child into the mix. Another little baby girl named Sarah, because that will fix that whole bucket of fucked up right there. For fuck's sake, stop. Stop. Stop having them. Do not have babies with Catherine, for fuck's sakes, man. Like, I went and secretly got a vasectomy because. I didn't want to keep doing this with her, and she's probably going to kill me because I'll never leave. <laughs> so it's craziness, man. But this is a good example of that men do suffer from domestic oh, violence yes. as, as much as women does. Yes, they do. Does as much do. No, and and they totally are. I've been with one or two that have fucking beat the fuck out of me for no reason because I'm a bigger guy and I look like I'm really tough. So that way, there when they you know they call the cops, who do you think they're going to believe? I yeah, weigh like 125 oh pounds, and you weigh 200, even. You know, so they're going to know that you're lying. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there with fucking blood coming out of my face. I hate that shit. Not all. Just I like, like not all men. I like the playful abusers. So just stay to the ladies out there. If you want to give me a little spank spank every once in a while, that's okay. <laughs> that's the PSA now. Yes. After Sarah was born, it seemed to bring the temporary peace, a, t- a temporary peace to the household. Catherine's behavior just leveled right out. Mm. Dave decided it would be better if they all lived together under the same roof. So he put a down payment on a house in Aberdeen. In 1989, when when her workman's comp came in, she paid the house off in full. Nice. Yeah, okay, so that's pretty cool. Taking everything into account other than her children, the small two-bedroom house the couple picked out uh, on McQueen Street in Aberdeen was the first thing that Catherine could truly call her own. Therefore, it isn't all that shocking to discover that she was the one who decided how it should be decorated. Which makes sense, because honestly, like if you ask most guys, hey, what color should this or that be? They go, pick something. I don't give a fuck. Not me, personally. I sit there and I like different colors, but she said about uh, filling the house with anything and everything that had to do with the with dead animals. Oh, lots of taxidermy, lots of rugs, and see, she'd be happy leather. if I was out hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try this paint. Let me try to paint you a picture, uh, picture for you. The walls were adorned with cowhides, steer, and water buffalo horns, which I think that'd be pretty badass. That's just me, though. Old-style furs wrapped, dried-up sheep and cattle skulls, and prized deer antlers. Okay, now for me, honestly, I think that that's kind of cool. I like bones and stuff like that, but I don't need to have, like... I, w- I would like the hides. Rules. Uh, some rules. But, yeah. <laughs> yep. She had a stuffed baby deer and a peacock on display in the living room. Bambi. In the kitchen, she had one of those large wooden uh, fork and spoon sets. The giant wooden fork and spoon. Yep. Hanging on the wall as well, and some rusted out uh, animal traps. An old rake and a pitchfork. A riding boot complete with the crop and a saddle. 
In the corner, she had a a coat rack filled with leather and motorcycle jackets. I, 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 I'm digging her decorating. I got to be honest, man. Like, it's a decorate. I know that she's a fucking nut job, okay? Um, but I like her decorating. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of weird. It's a like little that. too much know, be animal cool. to me. Like, see, I, I like this hides and I like the horns. What I don't really like is the full blown heads where the eyes are staring at you. Yeah, that to me is creepy. Yeah, but well, the horns, the skulls, the bones, the the hides. Yeah, fine by me. Every space was filled. There were stacks of old books, newspapers, and clothes. And her video collection was one that I'm sure Scott and I would envy (laughs) nearly every title centered around death and horror. Oh, I love horror movies. She said, Scott and I, like, I'm not the one who's reading this. (laughs) What my research remains is that her and myself... I'm not talking about myself in the third person. Jesus, I'm, I'm not crazy. The guys. royal we. Yes, he is. He, he's lost his mind. No, I'm not. Shut up. I'm trying to do a podcast. I told you, you to shut keep up. your personalities in I'm track. I'm in your head now, Scott. <laughs> We're never coming up. <laughs> Considering her future, her future crimes, I'm pretty sure that she ha- had my all-time favorite microwave madness. Oh, Perhaps even Scott's two favorites as well. Oh, my God. Yes. Thanks, Killing One and Three. Let me take. Now, y'all didn't hear me say two, right? Correct. Because in Thanks, Killing, which is about a Thanksgiving turkey that comes back to life and oh kills God, people. Oh, my God. That's funny. There's only a part one and a part three. There's no part there two. There is no part two. They did not make a part two. Okay. I think that is fucking epic. Poultry Geist. Poultry Geist. So that's poultry what Geist. I was thinking of, too. Poultry Geist was pretty good. Yeah. Um, then there's one. I've seen a Killer Donut. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen that one. Rubber, which is about a tire. I love the tire one. I've, I think we may have talked about Have you seen Teeth? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. I'm pretty sure that it was a virtual museum of everything Catherine Knight held near and dear to her heart. Which your house should be. I'm kind of torn on her, though. Like, half of me is in love with her. Because there's two different sides. There's two different people here. I just I like her decorating. I like her choice in movies. The whole death thing. When was she born? Is she a Gemini? <laughs> she sounds like she could have been strong but hot. Good sex drive. Uh, it's just the fucking abusiveness, though. Oh, big time. Catherine, you broke my heart. I'm just saying, if you're still alive, which I don't even know because I didn't read through this first. I don't even know if you're alive, but sweetheart, you done broke my heart. Now I'm going to have to have a good cry about this shit. I probably don't have to tell uh, you this, but it wasn't long before the facade of a happy family wore thin. Mm-hmm. We saw that coming. Oh yes, it all came crashing down, uh, crashing. It all came to a crashing end when Catherine took an iron and bashed Dave in the head with it before stabbing him with a pair of scissors. Oh my God, Damn, she likes scissors too. <laughs> People. David left the house and went back to Scone, but returned after only a week. When he came back, he realized Catherine had taken every last item of clothing he owned and shredded them with scissors and disposed of them in the town dump. Because she's just a peach. Uh, yeah. 
That's when he finally said, to hell with this, Psycho Sally. Finally. Which, good, yeah. He's finally like, nope, she can't be rehabilitated. She's a no. He took an extended leave from work and stopped go- uh, going to all of his favorite drinking establishments. Catherine did everything she could to track him down, but she was unsuccessful. Good. <laughs> run, Dave, run! I think I watched a documentary about this now that we're getting now. I think I know what happens. Okay. Um, oh, I, wish I, I won't say anything. <laughs> Even though his friends knew uh, where he was, they sure weren't, weren't going to... Uh, hand him over to this wackadoo. No. After hitting an endless stream of brick walls, she finally stopped looking. Like, I've looked all over Queensland, and this is bullshit. I can't find this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Several months went by, and Dave decided he wanted to see his daughter. So he knocked on the door of the Queen uh, McQueen Street house. That's when he discovered just how crazy this broad was. Oh, boy. While he was trying to get away from her, she went to the local authorities and informed them that she was scared to death of him. And if he came back, she was afraid he would assault her. Uh, What the fuck? Oh, my God. Catherine managed to get... uh, A restraining order, I'm sure. Yeah, this is apprehended violence order, but yeah, it's a restraining order. Yeah. Against Dave. That meant he was... Legally prohibited from going near her or the kids. He couldn't even uh, contact his own daughter. That's absolutely ridiculous. Well, not long after that, Catherine took up with yet another lover. If you want to be my lover. <laughs> A 43-year-old <laughs> local name. I love it when I do those little random things and hear you giggle. <laughs> that tickles me. Oh, my God. He was a 43-year-old local man named John Chillingsworth. I like that. That's a good name. That is a pimp name, man. He worked at the uh, Aberdeen Meatworks because he liked to pack the meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Within a couple of months of their dating, she wound up pregnant with her fourth child. But this time here was a boy. Little Eric was born in 1991. Oh. <sighs> <clears throat> So, this one's titled, Pricey Enters the Picture. (laughs) Despite the local's predictions of a short-lived relationship, Catherine and John Chillingsworth remained in their relationship for approximately three years. Well, that seems, I guess that's short-lived to me, but... Yeah, but, you know, her crazy comes out after two months. Real quick, yeah. Ugh, get out. My eye itches, so I'm finger banging my eye. <laughs> it ended rather bitterly, though, when she dumped him and started seeing John Price openly. Like, get the fuck out of here. I want this guy, John Price, because he's got tags. <laughs> Apparently, she was tired of sneaking around behind the other John's back to see her new John. There's too many Johns going on in this. Jesus Christ. Not to be confused with... A John, but I digress. (laughs) Wrong John, John. We're talking about John, not a John or a John John. uh, The John who she was seeing instead of the John that she was living with, but it's a different John. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Even though the first John was heartbroken at the time, the breakup turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to him. No shit. He managed to get over her. 
stop drinking, and make himself make something of himself. But most of all, he walked away from her alive. That is important. That's not something the second John could brag about, though. Mm-hmm. So John Price, who everyone refer- referred to as Pricey, was a great guy. He would give you the shirt off of his back to anyone in need. He, you know, and everyone around town knew and just absolutely adored this guy. Pricey had become married previously, and the two of them had three children together. However, when the marriage came to an end in 1988, his wife took their youngest, a two-year-old girl, with her. He uh, retained custody of their teenagers, a boy and a girl. Price was, uh, was the proud owner of a three-bedroom house located on St. Andrew Street in Aberdeen. He worked in the local mine. He worked in the local mines and brought home a nice, healthy income, so the family didn't lack for anything. Catherine met Bryce at a local hotel bar in 1993. I'm seeing a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When in doubt, go to the hotel bar with the piano singers <laughs> for the ladies. That's right. He was going downtown. Yeah, you know the words. <laughs> They were both 38 years old, and it didn't take long for them to hit it off, and they became the next item around town. He had heard all the gossip about her uh, volatile behavior towards uh, her other lovers, and it didn't stop him from pursuing her romantically. Like, I like to be beat. Good. I like to beat guys. (laughs) We're, We're perfect for each other. Either, he either assumed that he could fix her, or he didn't care what people were saying. He loved her uh, that much. Well, and it was probably because he was like, I don't know what they're talking about. She's not like that at all. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're all crazy. She yeah. can't be crazy. So, when the relationship began, Catherine was the uh, epitome of amazing. Like I of said. Of course, like the yeah. other fucking relationships, right? She was... Uh, uh, she was de- uh, devoted, and she was loving. She would cook and sew for him, and she had no problem picking him up from the local bars when he had just a little too much to drink to even walk home. Price must have thought he won the romance lottery. <laughs> she even com- uh, never, complained. Never, I think. Uh, oh, you're right. That's probably never, huh? Yeah. So why don't we... This is why she tells me to read these ahead of time, which mm-hmm. I don't. She never complained, and she was uh, great in bed. Like, she was rocking his world. Like, I'm going to put this ball gag in my mouth, and then you can dress like Santa Claus and rub cream cheese on my boobs. <laughs> Price's children ador- uh, adored her children. They just didn't adore hearing what was coming from the other room. They're like, that doesn't sound natural. That's not an Easter bunny. Mm, yeah. <laughs> So on the surface, it seemed like a match made in absolute heaven. However, once again, it didn't take very long for the deep-rooted ugliness that was her to come through. The cycle of accusations, explosive fights, temporary separations, and making up and starting again just with a different target. It's always the same thing every time. That's how this works. Right. It's called the cycle of abuse. Uh, Yeah. Um, and that's what she traps all of her lovers in. It's yes. the cycle of abuse. 
Catherine moved into Price's house with him and his uh, other two kids in late 1995. Considering it was the larger residence and didn't have all the dead animals filling every nook and cranny, <laughs> I'm sure it was luxury for her other four children. They're like, we don't have to see dead things all the time. All the time, mom's yeah. weird. That's another good movie. Children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that one or not. It's kind of corny. Heard of that one. But it's like, it's a cult classic. Sure, I'm a- I have to have my, my, myself a little tiny time, time to watch that shit. <laughs> so once they began cohabitating, Catherine and Price began drinking more and more. With that came even more violent fights. That's why, uh, statistically, there are more domestic violence cases on Labor Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, oh, yeah. and the Super Bowl. Because everybody's drinking. Alcohol. Alcohol fuels a lot of bullshit, man. Yep. Where the fuck was I? Okay. They were often seen standing in front of each other's houses, uh, and they were at each other's throat. Or they were arguing in hotel bars where they liked to drink. <laughs> what is it about the hotel bar? Tony, I think it's the lounge singer. I, it's got to be. That's what it is right there. At the Copa, <laughs> Copa Cabana. Yes. <laughs> We all know a little Barry Manilow, don't we? <laughs> Sing along with me and Barry. <laughs> it would start out all playful and fun one minute, and then the next thing you knew, uh, people knew, they were spitting fire at each other like dragons. There's not even like a drunken disorderly. That, she doesn't ever get picked up for anything. Yeah, that's what's kind of getting me with this. It's like nothing ever fucking happens to her. People are like, hey, you know what? It's just who she is. Fuck it. Yeah, you you need some tranquilizer darts then. Like, I agree. I think in order for me to date Catherine, even though she's way older than me now, um, or if she's still alive, is I would have to have tranquilizer darts. She'd get lippy. Oh, she's I'd getting a little her. too crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's getting a little too nuts. I'm gonna drop her, and then I drop her, and she wakes up in you know five ten hours. I go, you feel better? Are you done? Yeah, I'm done now, mate. I mean, good, because okay. when you have tranquilizer darts and that scar on your ass is not going to heal. <laughs> in 1998, she went to his supervisors at work with a secret video she had recorded of him at home with items he had supposedly stolen from his job. What a bitch. She said that she recorded the video in, uh, to get back at him for a fight about refusing to marry her. Because that's what I want to do. Yeah, let's get married. You know, I've done a lot of crazy shit with marrying chicks. And I'll tell you the bizarre thing, actually. I've only had, out of all my ex-wives, I've only had one that I would say is absolutely crazy. The rest of them were just kind of bitches. <laughs> only one that, I, I had one that was bipolar and refused to get treatment for it. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the other ones, it was just, their crazy was just different. Right. Wasn't conducive to my crazy. Uh, get back in my America. Uh, the end of the fight had them coming to blows with one another, and Price had whooped her ass. Finally. And you know what? Good. Yeah. I don't advocate for people hitting each other, guys hitting girls. However... Either way. This bitch. She's been getting away with too much for way too long. I mean, think about what she did to uh, fucking the first David. Yeah. And beating him and shit she, like that. Even the she second needed David. her ass handed to her. Yeah. Fucking, you know, uh, 
Johnny here comes out like a prize fighter. I'm not on my watch, bitch. <laughs> yeah. You think you're going to hit me? No. But I'm going to club you back. At first, Catherine was going to record the footage and show it to Price uh, as a form of blackmail. However, when they got into another vicious fight, she changed her mind and went directly to his supervisors with what she had recorded. Well, despite the fact that every item on the video was past uh, its expiration date or it had been thrown away and he had scavenged it from the rubbish pile, it really didn't matter to the upper management. They called him into the office, and after 17 years of working the job that he loved, he found himself unemployed. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to take everything from you. Yeah. I hear that story way too often. And I'm, I'm thinking that I had to think about this because it said it didn't matter to the upper management. Um, yeah, I think it was that she's causing problems at his work. I don't yeah. even think it was what he'd scavenged. That very same day when Price got back home, he kicked her out of the house and she returned to her tiny little house on McQueen Street. It didn't take long for the town gossip mill to spread with the word of her deceit and viciousness. Considering the reputation Catherine already had around town, the news didn't shock anybody. No. They're like, he didn't fucking figure this out already. We knew this shit was going to happen. Everybody knew this was going to happen. Like, I wouldn't marry her if I was drunk and the bet was a good bet. I wouldn't yeah. marry her. No. I, I, it took me until, like, my 40s. Actually, it took me till the last two years to realize that, or more, that sometimes the pussy's not worth it. No. And neither is business ventures. <laughs> I'm just pointing that out. Because we all know what that refers to. Yes. So, from that point forward, their fights had reached a whole new level of viciousness. They would go out and get drunk and without fail, they would wind up fighting about how she managed to get him fired. Then the gloves were off, and it was a no-holds-barred MMA event. Let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> yeah. Yes. In this corner here, at 210 pounds, we have the one, the only wearing green trunks, Catherine Mary the Boner yeah. Knight! <laughs> Yes, that's good. This is this is the shit that goes on in my head that I just I see and it comes out of my mouth. Reports indicate that even a deaf blind mute could tell could tell you that Price and Catherine shouldn't be together. Mm-hmm. They should be in MMA. It's where they should be. Yet also couldn't manage to stay apart either. It was only a matter of time before something tragic happened. The Wicked Witch from Down Under. Oh, that's good. I like her titles, but you know what? I think that she gives me these to kind of... I, I got to call abuse here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out her. Here's the deal. She gives me little things like these little headers like The Wicked Witch of Down Under, which I love. Then she'll work into things like... And his name was Lakatuba Vizisiski. <laughs> and I can't pronounce this shit. Or she'll put in names I can... I can pronounce, and then she'll put in a town name, and I don't know if she misspells it on purpose, but there's no way my brain can actually put it just together. It just doesn't wrap its 
can't wrap itself around that. Yeah, and even autocorrect is looking at me going, I have no fucking idea. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a love-hate relationship, I swear to God. <laughs> it was only a matter of time before Catherine was reigning uh, over Price, uh, Price's house once again. However, that didn't even manage to soften her edges in the slightest. Of course not. The fights became more violent as they exchanged a series of vicious assaults. And I don't, I don't blame it for being an exchange. I do blame this dude for not totally telling her, get the fuck out and getting a protection order. But I don't blame him for fucking striking back. No. There's only so much shit you can do. You can deal take. With. Yeah. And that's as a man or a woman. Like when a woman stabs her husband in his sleep because she's had the shit beat out of him for years. For and years. years. Yeah. I can't falter because there's only so much anybody can take before they hit that breaking point. Yeah, exactly. But I digress. Here I am and I'm encouraging felonies. <laughs> On February 29th of 2000, Catherine and Price got into a rather heated argument in the kitchen. Well, they weren't in a bar. For once. For once. She grabbed the nearest knife and stabbed him in the chest with it. Of course she did. That's when he finally said, enough is enough. He went right down to the magistrate's court in Scone and got a restraining order. Finally. You notice how I didn't say that whole long-ass fucking thing? Yes, that's okay. Why I know why? Nobody but Australians know what an yes. apprehended violence order against her was. Yes. It's a, it's a restraining it's order. It's a restraining order. We all know what that is. He wanted to do anything he could to keep her away from his house, his children, and his life. And I don't blame you, my brother. No. You run from that crazy bitch there, John Boy. Run. Unfortunately, even a protection order wouldn't put a stop to the deranged psycho that Catherine had become. That's also pretty common. Right. Uh, there, there's a song by the Dixie Chicks uh, called Goodbye Earl. Goodbye Earl, yep. yep. And there's a line that says he walked right through that restraining order and put her in intensive care. Yep. That's what Catherine's doing right now. To him, yeah. The same evening, Price went to bed at around 11 o'clock. Shortly after that, a car pulled into his driveway and Catherine found her way inside. She watched television in the living room for a moment, took a shower, and then crawled into bed with him. They wound up having sex, and this is what the police report read the following day. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> John, I know you're dead, buddy. I, I can see it coming, okay? Um, I can see it coming. Yeah. But the pussy is never... Not worth it. Fucking worth it. Ever. No. At about 6 a.m. on Wednesday, March 1st, a neighbor noticed that the victim's, the victim's John Price, work utility truck was still at his home. This appeared unusual as the victim normally had left for work each day at, you know, the, at about the prior time, prior to the 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. The neighbor became concerned as he did the, empl- uh, as did the employer of the victim who was by this time making inquiries as to why the victim had not attended work. Attempts were made by the neighbors and other friends to awake the victim by knocking on his bedroom window. The neighbor and a friend then went to the door, front door where they saw a small amount of blood yeah. on a wooden exterior. On the wooden exterior. I've seen these pictures, too. Oh, brutal. I can't wait to see yeah. it. Yeah. 
Police were contacted and atten- uh, attended at about 8 o'clock in the morning. The police at the scene forced entry into the house through the rear door. <laughs> never forced the rear door. That never goes over well. No. Upon entry, they said, more loop. Now, upon entry, the police located the victim's exterior layers of skin hanging from a hook in the doorway arch into the lounge room. And it, at first, they thought it was curtains. Like, they didn't realize it was skin. Oh, my God. That's yeah. awesome. Then they located the victim's decapitated remains on the lounge room floor near a small foyer landing to the front door. And there's a quote. A further search of the house by police resulted in them locating Catherine Knight, who was snoring loudly in a comatose condition on a double bed at the end of the house. She was removed from the house immediately by police and later conveyed to the hospital via an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And this is the end of part one. Holy shit. Oh, you haven't even gotten to the best part yet. No kidding. Nope. I gotta, I'm going to give it up to my I researcher. I mean, it's crazy. She's crazy. But what I, she did was, is yeah. I got to give it up to my researcher. This one here is pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Woo. Because it, it touches on a lot of things that are actually very personal to me. Number right. one is domestic violence. Yeah. Um, I don't condone it in any way, shape, or form. No. Um, and testicles, yes. Uh, the whole testicle dealio. And fucking... God damn, this is a fucking nutty bitch. She is totally off her rocker. I'm going to wrap this bitch here up because I got to get another goddamn drink and find (laughs) heroin or something. Because I know that she's either currently incarcerated or dead, and I'm terrified of Catherine. (laughs) Like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, they don't hold a candle, man. To Catherine Knight, yes. Catherine Knight. That bitch scares me. <laughs> now I have another reason not to go to Australia. Spiders, everything that wants to kill you, and Catherine Knight. That's part of everything that wants to kill you. I'm pretty sure she can kill saltwater crocodiles. Yeah. I'm pretty convinced of that. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www. TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. We should pop right up, get the full story without any of my bullshit attached to it. Also, guys, remember, this is only part one of a two-parter for this crazy psycho Sally bitch. So next week, make sure that you tune in to part two of Catherine Knight. I'm excited. You should be excited, too. And until next week, we will see you guys later. Say bye, sweetheart. Bye.